0: Hi, Craig here from The Bachelor Masters Podcast. Do you watch The Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, The Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app that's the bachelor masters a bridge burner podcast
1: Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Rob Schulte, and I'm here with special guest correspondent and guest host, Joe Young. Joe, hello. Hey, Robs. What's up, man? Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. Here's the thing. Um, people will know you from my guest appearance on Piloting Error, the podcast right. you host. But also, when you joined Bill and I to talk about Baywatch Nights, how are you?
0: I'm fantastic, man. Just chilling. I really really enjoyed this uh, wonderful movie we're going to talk about.
1: Oh, so did I. I actually, and remind me to tell you this story, but I suggested to Andy Richter to watch Passenger 57 the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope he took you up on that. I, I feel like it's
0: right up his alley.
1: I really think it is, too. And more details later. Now, yeah, we're going to talk Passenger 57, but, Joe, I, you know, we are... Everyone knows that... Actually, they don't know this. This might be the first episode. Well, I don't know. Bill and I might have mentioned it. Bill's getting married, so I'm giving him a couple of weeks off. So, nice. you know.
0: He deserves it. He's, he's the hardest-working man in podcasting.
1: It's so true. It is so true. The, he's got such a soothing voice. He needs to, like... You know he's gonna be screaming at that wedding. He's gonna be partying so hard. He needs to get some honey on them throats. <laughs> um, We're,
0: I'm gonna have to send over a case of Fisherman's Friend as a <laughs> as a wedding present.
1: <laughs> and uh, a big yellow poncho. I, think.
0: <laughs> I don't know what he needs that for, but you know what? Why not?
1: Hey, it, that's the true Fisherman's Friend. I would think. Oh,
0: true. Yeah. Um,
1: the, the play the part. Fisherman. <laughs> So yeah, a non-traditional episode because we have a non-traditional uh, guest host scenario here. We're going to we're doing away with the segments and it's you and I just talking about passenger 57, but I think there's there's something very important and very few people I can talk about this with and I appreciate that you've come on because uh you and I are and maybe this is a stretch of the imagination, but I would say that you're, you're a fan of bug main as am I. That's right. I love him. Love him to death. Now, if, if people are tuning into this who have never heard of bug main or have only heard of bug Mane in concept, can you give, can you give the elevator pitch? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, uh, uh, just highly
0: energetic, uh, crude musician. <laughs> Yeah, podcast guest and just
1: just a delight to listen to. Yeah, very imaginative. That's I think the key word here: imaginative. And And, he loves CocoPelli, as we all do. And and I think like it's been years, but I also feel like the CocoPelli was like wave two of Bugmain. And at this point, I will have already gone to the last BugCon. His his convention he throws at the Burbank Airport. That's right. <laughs> and, You're going. I'm very yeah. jealous. So I wish at this point I could talk about it, but everyone can Google the videos that will have most likely come out from that. Bugman uh, goes right up to the line, sometimes crosses it, but I find it interesting. He has this this silly theory about uh, everyone being shaken out of the Matrix.
2: Look at it as a metaphor, it's a metaphor. Mm. Imagine the Matrix we all woke up on around nine eleven when okay. that event happened. This is, this is a real theory. Yes. By, We're, we, is this, this we, the Mandela Effect? What is this one? No, 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 this is a, a bug main original theory. Okay. We all, we all are in the Matrix up until ni- we, 9-11, we all wake up. This is when in the Matrix, the films, which I believe in the Matrix Revolutions, is that they gave us a history that we that maybe already happened, maybe it didn't already happen, but that's what we're dealing with. Okay. We were given a history before 9-11 that now we almost like Atlas or something, or like the guy going up the damn hill, he can't ever go over the hill, like a Greek mythology. Sisyphus. We are bound to repeat forever every cultural event that happened before 9-11. So now we're stuck with, only piecing together Stranger Things is kind of like E.T. What if Transformers was a toy that I heard of? Or maybe there was a thing <laughs> called Star Wars. We're all scrambling to piece together these things that all happened in our like little implanted history. It's kind of a nostalgia overload in the aftermath of this but, but Exactly. So culturally- But can I what- also be clear that you also literally think we were in a matrix bu- bubble that is um, that is as possible as anything that (laughs) we're in a dark city you know dark city they'd wake up and they thought that they had a whole life and then they're figuring it out Mm. but metaphorically it shaked us such to our core that now we are completely different culturally ever since this insane event that psychologically affected a hundred percent of americans on one day
1: avatar is finally getting a sequel you know, I'm actually
0: excited about the Avatar sequel. I, Me I didn't too. See the movie when it came out, but I finally watched it uh like a year and a half, two years ago. And I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was in very enjoyable at the very least.
1: Do you think that like the Avatar Cause I remember when it, Avatar first came out, people were like, It's just burn gully. And right I feel like that goes into the the theory that bug may has and why it fits so well. And now it's like a level on top of itself with yeah. it. Now getting another movie years later with the plan of like seven movies total. I, it's also, it's really, it's Ferngully passed
0: through, uh, you know, through the lens of America. Absolutely. Th- through the lens of, of our unending wars.
1: Wow. Here's the thing. I'm in it for the spectacle. I love hearing the funny theories. The Tony Roma's episode of Doughboys featuring Bugmane might be one of the funniest podcast episodes I've ever heard. And uh, I think that'll give people the real taste if they're wanting more. Yeah, they should definitely check that out. But uh, we're not here to talk Bugmane any more than we have to. We're here to talk about the Wesley Snipes vehicle, Passenger 57. (laughs) That's right. Um, passenger 57 released what 1993 1992 92 yeah yeah um when did what do you remember the first time you saw passenger 57
0: i had to have been when i was in my late teens so probably like 2002 2003 somewhere around there
1: interesting definitely
0: um, uh definitely while very drunk <laughs> because <laughs> watching it again for the first time I did not remember almost anything, and I'm fairly certain that I had it confused with Executive Decision.
1: It's an Executive Decision. I think came out the same year.
0: Yeah, I think it most this likely is,
1: did. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. We're fuck it. We're doing it live. No, Executive Decision was '96. Wow, isn't that wild? Damn it! I forgot
0: Steven Seagal is in that. Good god! Yeah, what a, this is a stacked cast for Executive
1: Decision. Well, and I remember seeing. So, I'm pretty sure I was taken to see Executive Decision in theaters, and we left early. Holy shit. This was a... I would have been in sixth grade. So,
0: you were a uh, one of the kids that was allowed to see R-rated movies. I was a
1: kid whose parents sometimes took them to R-rated movies. Man, um, I'm so jealous of that. Yeah, I think my first R-rated movie was Bad Boys.
0: Wow. Yeah. But- The first R-rated movie that I saw in the theater was Gladiator.
1: Oh, wow. But that, like, they probably were like, oh, you get some history.
0: Oh, no, no. It wasn't even my parents. My
1: my parents have never
0: taken me to an R-rated movie. Interesting. I could probably count on a hand how many PG-13 movies they've taken me to. If people can't, if they can't figure it out by my last name being young, I grew up very, very Mormon. Ah, yeah, it was a, a friend's mom that took us to Gladiator uh, after I had driven my very first car out to Atlanta to visit my best friend from middle school who at the Alvin. age of 35. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fun fact, she... the first the first R-rated movie that I ever like went to by myself to the theater on my 17th birthday was... Uh, kiss of the dragon with jet lee
1: wow and
0: they didn't even id me
1: oh that's the because th- it's not even a law man i guess it's not yeah it's just a but suggest- you would still think you'd get id'd if it's something a rule they uphold right for sure here's the thing all i remember from executive decision was that kurt russell is in it for about 15 minutes really yeah i think there's like and don't worry, everyone, we'll get to Passenger 57. But I I remember there's a thing where Seagal's like, we got to go on without you. And like Kurt Russell gets locked out of the plane. And it <laughs> is one of those situations where it's like, now, I was going to say, is it Kurt Russell or is it Seagal? But it feels it, like Seagal's the person who would do the entire movie. And Kurt Russell would be the person who's, used for promotion and cut early from the
0: movie sure i I mean how much of a draw was seagal i guess they're
1: they're like in 96 probably not as much as like 92 sure yeah yeah hard to kill probably is peak right yeah i would think so also Um,
0: i have a theory i don't know if you've ever seen hard to kill but not enough to remember it (laughs) i am fairly certain that Steven Seagal got a beard implant. I mean, it's obviously like he has a hair transplant. Sure. That's plugs. But I think that he got beard plugs,
1: too. Don't talk about my beard, man. man. I'm going to come over there and shave you. I'm going to shave you and then I'm going to become a cop for a reality TV show. (laughs) God Um, dang.
0: He did do that, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm looking it up. Kurt Russell... Leaving executive decision.
0: Was it because he had to go film
1: breakdown? Probably. Yeah. Looks like he's gone early in the film. Anyway, we're here to talk passenger 57. That's right. Um, I, to answer the question of when I saw this movie, I'm pretty sure I saw it. It came out in 92. I saw it in 1993 on HBO and I saw it a Locked. Oh, hell yeah. We, I, this was one of those movies that when uh, back in the day of, I hate to be a back in the day guy, but sometimes HBO only had four movies.
0: That's right. They They
1: sure did. Played them on repeat. It was like they had one action, one comedy, one horror, and one rom com, something along those lines. And passengers at 50, I was, I was a child of habit. You know, I'd always watch my Nicktoons. Yep. And I watched my Doug. Yep. And then once it got evening time and I wasn't going to sleep, I am watching the HBO action movie that I am able to watch <laughs> by myself and not feel awkward around my parents. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: going to say, uh, none of that uh, HBO After Dark, I assume.
1: Well, that, that came later when they started expanding their. Uh, catalog oh, into lineup. taxi cab confessions.
0: That's right, taxi cab confessions. Emmanuel in space. Red shoe. Di- red shoe Diaries might have been Showtime.
1: I think that was Showtime. Uh, I mean, I think it was Showtime.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'm not actually sure.
1: Yeah, we'll <laughs> have to Google that one. Uh, no, uh, and uh, real sex. That was a oh, interesting. Boy. That show scarred me as a kid. I'm, dude. I think we've all seen the the like TikToks and Instagram videos now, where it's like. Kids think they're having issues discovering things on the internet. We saw people being, like, beheaded, you know? Yeah. Like, and then real sex legitimately. Here's the thing about real sex. When you're a horny teen or something, you know, you think you're going to watch something for sex. And it's yep a dude learning how to lift a 10-ton rock with all different parts of his body
0: yeah yeah or just you know like a camera crew at uh a swingers party full of like boat boat dealership owners in yeah. in uh clearwater florida and it's just the <laughs> oldest
1: people you've ever seen and and they're just walking around like they don't have a care in the world because they don't and good on them you know yeah. we
0: should all be a little less ashamed of what's going what's happening to your body
1: i completely agree i i wish i had that confidence but i'll tell you this i wouldn't be on hbo with that confidence (laughs) not at all so passenger 57 was very informative to me as a youngster before i even knew formulas to movies you know yeah and not knowing anything about news politics Mm
2: -hmm. really
1: anything going on in the on planet earth quite frankly and to be fair, I don't think neither did my parents or my dad, at least at that point in time. <laughs> um, so there was no information coming in in the household. And the idea of someone hijacking an airplane in 1992, mind you, and I'm watching it in 93, seemed like just a thing that happened. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I you know? totally thought that it was just very commonplace when I was a kid growing up.
1: And they made it sound like it in the movie, too. Hey, here's yeah. the thing. Let me let me read the, the log line on IMDb real quick. An airline security expert must take action when he finds himself trapped on a passenger jet when terrorists seize control of it. Here's the thing. What we learn in this movie is that isn't the villain, He's he, he like blows planes up, right? He's a, he's a serial plane bomber. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the end goal of this is that he ransoms it, gets a thing, or is he just right. evil? It's a little baffling. It, it is a little, a little baffling. It's a little like murky. Yeah, because there is no, I mean, and let's, let's just put it out there. It's not a perfect script. It, it might be no. perfectly acted, <laughs> but for True. what it is... Um, But yeah, Charles Rain, played by Bruce Payne. That's right. (laughs) Um,
0: That was very funny to me to see.
1: Yeah. He is a serial plane bomber. I do not get it. And we can maybe dissect that a little bit later. But yeah, instead of bombing this plane, he hijacks it. But little does he know there's this John Cutter, played by Wesley Snipes, on the plane, on his way well, is he there because this dude is on the plane? Is that what no, it is? No, it's no. not. That's he's right, cuz like he's a security assessment or whatever, right? That's right. And it just happens that the FBI are like, "Hey, we're barging our way onto this plane because we have a criminal to take somewhere."
0: Right. Yeah, they they mention like, "Oh, the FBI never tells you until it's too late or whatever. They're
1: bringing They can, can the do whatever thing they, thing. they want." Ugh. So, you know what? Someone True. should teach that FBI a lesson. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't condone that statement, and I'd no, like dis- neither do I. Disso- um, <laughs> I'm dissociating from that.
1: Good night, everyone. Good episode, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> no. just goes black. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about this cast a little more. Yes, it's Wesley Snipes kicking ass the whole time.
0: He fucking um, rocks in this.
1: He's he, is he so really, cool. really does. It's and- just, it's peak Snipes,
0: right? I mean, he looks so cool. He's he's his karate. Yeah, in this movie like is he was he like a karate guy like Seagal
1: yeah I think he's definitely uh, a martial arts expert because I remember in like the commentary to Blade 2 it's just a mix of him talking about doing martial arts and Guillermo del Toro talking about shots and so (laughs) he and also I mean just look at him he knows how to fucking back kick he does yeah but I do love that they throw the meditation scene in, which oh, that's, we, that's <laughs> so good, dude. I I want to talk about that flashback in a second because this film gives you everything you want out of the type of film that it is. There's a Tom Sizemore in this, which listeners of this podcast will know that the last movie we covered with Tom Sizemore was 1997's The Relic, yes. set in Chicago. Uh, flick, very <laughs> very fun uh, flick
0: yeah or maybe Mimic is the one that's good. I, I think Mimic I is confused. the one that's
1: good, and Relic is the one that's like turn on the lights. um <laughs> you get Alex Thatcher. she feels like she plays Marty Slayton, but she's like the the person that Wesley Snipes teams up with in the movie, and she seems like a very nineties that actor right? yes, yeah, because she was in she was in some next gen episodes. She, she seems like more of a TV actor, right? She was in the Steve Harvey show. She was in Pacific Blue, uh, Tracy Morgan show, Night Stalker, uh, Law & Order Sport Utility Vehicle, which is a <laughs> short film. Um, but yeah, it is a lot of TV on the, on the, on the IMDb, but before Passenger 57, not a lot. The Beauty oh. and the Beast TV series. Yeah. In Living it, Color. Episode of In Living Color. Yeah. Rage and Honor. What is that? Oh, it sounds cool. Hannah the Hun. Huh. Whoa. Rage and Honor looks like a movie I need to check out. 1992. 100%. Story about an inner city high school teacher who musters the martial arts to thwart the lure of street gangs and their seductive plague of drugs. (laughs) (laughs) And there are a lot of leather jackets in this preview that's playing automatically on IMDb. A lot of dusters. Oh, my God. A deadly battle for justice in an exotic and dangerous world. Oh, my God. That's got terrible tropes written all over it. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like
0: this uh, Cynthia Rothrock movie was in a lot of... uh... A lot of these style movies. There's yeah. one, and this is, this is maybe one of the best movie titles I've ever heard in my entire life, called China O'Brien. <laughs> she
1: is the ultimate weapon. <gasps> oh, my God. Um,
0: definitely got to go down this rabbit hole someday.
1: Yeah. Please join me on another bonus episode when we watch all of these movies. Elizabeth Hurley's in Passenger 57. Yes. That was a surprise. I had yes. forgotten Shocking. about that yes yeah. th- this is like the
0: beginning of her career because she yeah. she blew up after this she was like huge for forever oh
1: yeah i mean like you remember bedazzled yes
0: one of the best <laughs> movies one of the funniest movies i have ever seen we i literally re-watched it within the last year and it does not miss a
1: beat it is just so hilarious you know, the one thing I remember most from Bedazzled was uh, oh, you know, you gotta go out there and give 110% and you just yeah uh, <laughs> you best. and then <laughs> Brendan Fraser, he's got the comeback. The comeback is coming, right? It has it's,
0: it's in process, yeah. yeah he's he- been in a couple of uh, uh, very interesting, I've only seen clips of these, have not seen the whole movie, but uh, at least one very interesting Bollywood movie
1: where he plays like a drug kingpin in India. Oh, my God. I must see this. Yes. Um. So, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Hurley did a lot of television. Then did Passenger 57. Then after Passenger 57, I'm just going to read some of these. And then we're going to see until we get to a movie we recognize. Okay? Let's um, do it. Beyond Bedlam. I've That's heard crazy. of that name. Haven't seen it. We've got Dangerous Grounds dangerous ground (laughs) with ice cube oh my god i forgot about this movie oh yeah i remember this
0: this was uh this was one of those like five dollar walmart dvds
1: yeah Vusi medlazi returns to south african village he left as a young boy he was organizing against apartheid and then left in fear of his life he goes there to bury his father he meets up with his brother Ernest, who tells him he couldn't contact their other brother, Stephen. Busy goes to J- who wrote this IMDb? I, oh, no. I am so upset with that. No, John Reeves did. John Reeves, Reeves at imdb.com. Wow. Well, we're going to, we found another one. But then after that, she gets Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. <laughs> and then
0: formative. a formative film and. Also, one of the handful of PG-13 movies that I saw with both of my parents. Just wow. the three of us. I'm the oldest of four children.
1: Did they have to sit you down at the family dinner table after the movie and talk about the penis enlarger larger pump from Austin Powers? Uh,
0: no, I had already been uh, heavily online for about four years at this point. so Yeah, baby. I was, it, nothing was shocking or confusing to me.
1: But yeah, I think Austin Power you would think it was Passenger Fifty Seven or Dangerous Ground, but Austin Powers, I think, was the explosion of Hurley because 100%. after that you've got Permanent Midnight, Ed TV, uh Bedazzled. I forgot about Ed TV. Yeah. It's incredible, really. Oh my god. Um, there's a lot more cast in here. Mark McColly, uh James Short, he's the guy, the terrorist with the great haircut. You know that perm? You know that perm. Oh yeah. That is a great perm. But I'm considering one for myself. Hey, me too, buddy. Um, I gotta ask you though, Joe, what is yeah. the thing you walked away from with Passenger fifty seven? <sighs> like, what's the thing that you're like, you know what's like you're going to the dinner party, right? Like, what is the thing that you're just like, passenger 57, you got to see it or not see it.
0: But, uh, the, ma- the main takeaway sure. is that Michael Horse is one of the most underutilized actors ever. He's extremely funny to me. His comic timing in the scene where, you know, they're obviously like hamming, like not hamming it up, but, you know, they're obviously like moving the plot along and yeah. and they know each other. and She's like, Mr. Forget. It's like, it's Fouget. It's French. He's just, he's so likable to me. He's so great in Twin Peaks. My God.
1: Man, when Tom Sizemore and Wesley Snipes are, like, checking in at the airport. Oh, yeah. And they're doing that thing where you, like, are seeing all of the terrorists, like, just in line behind them. Yeah. The Michael Horse character of Fouget standing behind them as they're talking about terrorists and then giving them a little smirk. Like, it's such a perfect thing to see on a rewatch. It's great. I loved it. Um, also, this this might be old hat to talk about, but, like, seeing airport and airplane movies pre-9-11, Man. Is, it's, it just takes you back so much. It's so interesting to see, like, how lax it was, but also yes. no one was really doing to the extent that we feel like people were doing stuff on planes. Yeah. In the United States, like at all. No, not in the least.
0: It was legitimately as safe to fly then as it is now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, like, cause if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, I do think they like allude to some stuff happening, in Europe and the Middle East, but I'm not even sure. I couldn't fact check to see if any of that was even true or just written for the script.
0: Yeah, no, he specifically says, he's like, only airline that doesn't get fucked with, Israeli air. That's right. Nobody fucks with the Israelis.
1: It's like, wait, what now? I find it interesting that this movie is catering to Wesley Snipes, like martial arts fans, and yeah. action movie fans, yeah. like, at the first and foremost, and everything else comes secondarily. Because you root for Wesley Snipes at every single turn of this movie. And everyone oh. is an asshole except for Wesley Snipes. That's right. Tom Sizemore is such a prick in this. Oh, total prick. It's, he didn't have to go very far.
0: He's like the Cole Meany character in... Uh con air just like yes sure he might be a good guy but he's a he's a fucking
1: jerk yeah oh yeah and then like you get to... so they land the plane somewhere in the south right and you get all the racist cops yep and they're all assholes but i love that like when Wesley Snipes. So I'm jumping around in the story, everyone who's never seen this movie, but like, this is just a point to show that, like, you will always root for Wesley Snipes because they just don't believe him because he has no identification, right? And it's the South and they're being asshole cops. But like, the moment. He's proven to be the good guy. They're like, oh shit, now we
0: love him. Oh man, this guy, this guy's my damn best friend now, man. I, I just want to see this guy take down the bad guy.
1: Yeah. And there's so much like Wesley Snipes kicks a cop off of his motorcycle, <laughs> steals the motorcycle. Like you forget, Wesley Snipes is not a cop. Like yeah, he's, no. he's not a police officer in this movie. No, not at all. And I, completely forgot that he is just a training person and like the whole time you think he's got some sort of badge but no he just needs to do right he just needs to make sure that
0: (laughs) that these flights are safe for this private company and that's
1: yeah Yeah, I think we've got to help the companies Joe that's right (laughs) they're people they're people yes I think my big takeaway is that it is a different world watching this film you know, I talk about like the back in time pre nine 11 or whatever, but like everything about it is Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Like at the very beginning of this movie, and we were texting about this on discord, but like the very beginning of this movie, Charles rain played by Bruce Payne, <laughs> is at a plastic surgeon's office. And we learn that, he has been hard to catch because every six months he gets a facelift. He gets
0: a new face. Yes. He's constantly undergoing plastic surgery,
1: but this movie is fake as hell because he looks like he, like he looks better than any plastic surgeon has done work on anyone's face. Now, 30 years later. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. No scars whatsoever. Like what? What kind of money is there in blowing up planes?
1: Exactly, like I. Where is is, the money for this? What is going on here? Because even when he has the plot to like let some of the hostages off to refuel the plane in the southern town, there's still no ransom. Like he doesn't say he needs anything else but fuel for the plane. Right?
0: That's it. That's all he needs is fuel. He doesn't need you know. I want $20 million on consecutive bills.
1: Unless we missed some very short line, but still they had, there is no hard hitting anything that he has any other reason to do any of this, except for that he is evil in between, possible
0: but totally unlikely that there's something we missed like that.
1: Uh, absolutely. He's and doing it for the love of the game. It's so true. And you know, Props to him God for living his passion. dream.
0: Living the yeah. passion,
1: But I love that they just want to con- like that's another example of this just being out of time and space, Hollywood, because they beat it into your school that he is just evil. Yeah. It, don't talk about my childhood. You know, like so his your dad still did something. Alive? Yeah. He died violently. <laughs> Violently, like, uh, I love a, that he's
0: <laughs> what did he die in a car crash or did you kill him?
1: Yeah, uh, w- or did he cut the brakes to his father's car? Oh, now I think it's interesting also that he is so violent and so edgy that when the plane is going to go through turbulence or a rough landing, <laughs> the pilot's like, everyone, buckle up, and he just sturdies himself against the wall
0: <laughs> yeah that's that like cool guy move like yeah I know if you you lived in new york city so i'm sure you've ridden a bus or the train where uh you just don't hold on to anything and yeah just, like kind of you know like straddle you know,
1: yourself kinda, a little yeah. bit
0: yeah <laughs> very cool move to do
1: so cool. I'm too cool to hold on to anything. <laughs> too cool um, to make sure that I don't, you know, fucking fall over on my face. Into a mother and child that are standing right. next to me with a stroller. Um the set pieces are amazing. You get a plane like the whole time I'm thinking like, okay, I'm older. I've seen this movie a bunch, but it was in my youth. I'm going to be able to pick this thing apart. Like, how on earth can this whole movie take place on a plane and Wesley Snipes get through with it? But they do it. And then right when you think he's about to get caught, you find out this plane has an elevator. That's right. The elevator (laughs) in the plane. The elevator in the plane, the cordless phone, everything about it. And then, oh, we're running out of gas. We have to land. And now we've got this amusement park scene to just put a cap to the
0: whole movie. It yeah, was uh, this was the era of the uh of the amusement park scene in the yeah, action movie, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. It it's strange to think how perfectly if you're like, "Okay, we need one more set piece that has a lot of moving parts." You can easily just go to amu- the traveling circus yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's 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 the uh the impetus for the um caster troy sean archer uh hatred from uh face off
1: face off
0: yes yeah, he, he shoots his son at a at an amusement park on the carousel
1: oh man i could eat a peach for hours <laughs> god that line confused the hell out of me as a kid oh me too it was oh god let's we'll we'll like, cover right face right. off on another day um You know, I think that, like, at the end of the day, Joe, Passengers 57 is a perfect movie for a few reasons. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take itself too serious. That's right. And it's only, like, an hour and 24 minutes long. The perfect length for a movie. The perfect length for a movie. If you need to tell more than an hour and 24 minutes, make a part two, you know? Also, Wesley Snipes is just... He's so cool. He's so fucking cool. And
0: I love, I love the through line. uh, I love the bits about him being confused for Arsenio
1: Hall, (laughs) which I'm sure happened. I had no idea what that joke was when I was a child. Of course, oh yeah, uh, living in Nowhere'sville, Missouri. Um, But watching it this time, I totally get it. And then also the added like, depth to that joke that the flight attendant turned cohort partner of Wesley Snipes told the old woman he was (laughs) Arsenio Hall. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Just to annoy the (laughs) shit out of him was so great. Oh, man. Uh, Joe, we were going to talk about the meditation sequence as well. Oh, yeah. There's this other element to the story that Wesley Snipes either used to be a cop or used to work uh, alongside the detectives in a different training scenario. Yeah, I guess. Hostage negotiation. Because he
0: is just carrying a gun in, yeah. in a convenience store.
1: Yeah, he must have been a detective of some sort. That's yeah. right. But, like, as he's meditating before he takes his journey in this plane <laughs> to take this new job for Bruce Greenwood, um, we see that he is in a hostage negotiation in a in a uh, convenience store where his wife gets killed by the bad guy. But there's nothing he could have done about it, you know? He put his gun down, he did what he was told, and the guy still shot his wife. In a lesson, we have learned that you can do everything right and still not have a happy ending. He may and well then,
0: have shot have shot her himself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, uh, the the pain guy was...
0: Charles Charles, Charles Charles Ray Ray
1: played by Bruce Payne um, does the same thing with hostage Douglas and let me tell you that Douglas scenario is one of the things I remember most from my childhood watching this because Douglas Douglas here has a daughter (laughs) and Douglas's daughter used to have a father (laughs)
0: pow
1: shocking shocking the most yeah, evil totally thing you shocking. can say yeah. I, mean,
0: I mean yeah what what year were you born like 84 oh yeah. you're the same year as me yeah
1: and in just a few days i'll be hitting that 38 marker wait are you fucking kidding me really yeah on the 8th my friend wow you're uh mm.
0: what is that a fucking, crystals uh, a little under a month younger than me that's
1: wow for some reason i thought you're older than me i don't know why It's probably because I just exude such maturity. You exude sagaciousness. I don't know (laughs) if that's even a word. Joe, before we wrap up tonight, I want to ask you for your final thoughts, but I do think we should talk about something we were discussing on Discord earlier in the new guy alert section of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But is there any final thoughts you have based on Passenger 57? Man, I I feel like people should watch this. It's yes. it's a
0: time capsule, especially for people who aren't quite old enough to remember laxadaisical security at airports, which was very fun. I mean, th- in movies
1: I, that aren't too self serious.
0: Yeah, it's not self serious at all. It's just a blast. Snipes is amazing. Tom Sizemore, even though he's a piece of shit, uh, he's very good in this movie. Bruce, Bruce Payne as Charles rain is great.
1: Yeah. Uh, We get Dwight Henderson who plays Robert hooks. Uh, you may know him from the search for Spock, I believe. Oh, I don't, one of the guys who I've
0: never seen search for Spock. I'm
1: sorry. Oh, well, never mind. But, uh, (laughs) there's a part where he comes up to someone and he's like, sir, you're going to need to come with me. And he's got this fantastic mustache must, much like in this film. But yeah, anyway, Robert Hooks is one of
0: those guys that (laughs) that you can totally see. And like, just just looking at his face, you can see him as the serious like police commissioner going like, God damn it, Charles.
1: You (laughs) fucked up. I want your gun and badge on my desk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to find out if I'm right about uh, Search for Spock.
0: But you are. You are. I'm looking. OK, great. Right now.
1: Yep. Uh, because it's right after the scene I believe where, and you'll see it when you see the movie. But a guy goes, "Genesis is planets forbidden." <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's great. Oh um, my lord! I wish I wish Robert Hooks said that, but no, it's an alien character. <laughs> um, yeah. Great movie, great time. I'm glad you were able to join me to talk about it. And I'm glad we were able to give Bill his honeymoon away from the podcast. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I hope he's enjoying himself. Nobody deserves a vacation more than Bill. That's true. And of
1: course, this episode's going to be coming out weeks after, but people just go with us here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we, we're, we're recording in advance. Um, yeah, whenever you listen to this, make sure that you go on Twitter. <laughs> and tell bill congratulations tell bill about congratulations. getting congratulations getting married this week um he'll love it <laughs> but, but uh yeah we were talking earlier and i think that we can close tonight's episode with a segment i call new guy alert so you're the new guy like it really true guy gotta be the smart guy x are all a card guy you a new type, make your friends so blue type, comments are all new, right? make seduce a ew type, I'm the new guy, duh. I just think it's funny to make fun of uh, awkward scenarios. Now Joe, it. you may have a new guy, you may not have a new guy, but I've discovered a new type of guy. All right. They want to corner you at parties to tell you that Back to the Future is the best script. I am a very cornerable person, so... Have you ever been cornered by someone like this? I think I have.
0: There's no reason to say that any one script is the most perfect script. There's no reason to corner people at parties. Yep. Explaining your interests to people. Yeah. If people want to listen to you talk about your interests, uh, they'll generally let you know with their body language. Or yeah. if they're me, they'll just kind of nod and yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah cool, uh-huh. cool, bro, uh-huh.
0: yeah, man. yeah, cool, cool, cool. You know what? Actually, I get it. I gotta go to the bathroom, Um,
1: bro. I'll go with you. Just leave, yeah. <laughs> and I would let him because I am a pushover. Yeah. The the number is written on the flyer. <laughs> um, Joe, why don't you let people know uh, a little bit about piloting error?
0: Yeah, so Piloting Error is a show uh, that I've been doing for a couple years now with my buddy Stuart. We release monthly uh, because we have jobs that demand our time.
1: And a <laughs> highly researched podcast. It's, it's very highly researched.
0: Stuart does the brunt of the work. I'm just sort of the yuck monkey. Uh, and we watch TV pilots that never got picked up. So if it aired for one episode or aired as a special television movie presentation, we're going to cover it. Um, This
1: season, (laughs) we've done some real dog shit. It's great. Uh, Wait, these these dog shit television shows didn't get picked up? Yeah, you'd be really surprised (laughs) at the shit that doesn't get picked up. What was
0: Uh, the Gene Roddenberry one? Oh the Questor Tapes. Yes. Everyone that listens to this, I assume that that you're at least mildly interested in uh uh Gene Roddenberry's other uh main project, Star Wars, I think it was called.
1: Yeah, I think it's Star Wars. Uh,
0: right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh But yeah, he did a, another pilot called The Questor Tapes. That's it's very fun for a while and it <laughs> They clearly had filmed two episodes and then combined them into one television movie. Oh, man. Uh, and it's, you know, it's uh, your standard like Android story. Highly recommend watching that and giving our show a listen. Don't watch any of the other shit <laughs> that we review other than maybe Look Well and uh, Action Family. Everything yeah. else is just kind of crap. Just yeah. Junk.
1: I'd have to agree. I would have to agree yeah uh we it's a great a podcast shit it's got my seal of approval i love listening to it i wait Thanks, with bated breath every month <laughs> yeah we would
0: love to release more often but it's it's difficult and also the amount of work that stewart puts into editing and producing the podcast is just it's hard to do that when you're working you know 60 hours a week
1: absolutely well joe um Hey, you want to join me for another bonus episode? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Always down to join you for an episode, my friend.
1: Sure. I don't let's let we'll talk offline about what it should be about and uh that'll at least give us we'll have one bay watch nights under our belt. We've got passenger 57 under our belt. We should do another TV show, I think. Since yeah. uh that goes back to your area of a uh, podcasting. So, uh <laughs> Be on the lookout, everyone, because we're going to do that before Bill and I get into our next series, which is the non MCU Marvel movie series. Oh, boy. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right.
0: A lot of fun. Joe, stuff. I'll see you later. I'll talk to you later, Rob. Thanks for having
2: me.